Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. Hey, all right. Welcome to episode number 64 of Grow Bud Yourself. We got a great show for you guys today. Our guest is Lee Spivey of Good Earth Organics to talk about uh, some soil science. Uh, the cultivation segment features uh, me talking about fungus and mold, our favorite uh, subjects, powdery mildew in particular, uh, but also how to spot it and how to avoid it and how to get rid of it, uh, and some grow Q&A. So stick around. Episode number 64 of Grow Bud Yourself is coming at you, sponsored by Sweet Leaf Nutrients, Excelsior Extracts, and Rocket Seeds. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of our favorite sponsors, Excelsior Extracts. Outcast and TOH from Excelsior are incredible people, incredible growers, and they make an amazing product. Their THC-infused pain rub is made by patients for patients, and it provides powerful relief from pain. This product was developed to treat Outcast's chronic pain, and trust me, this is a super potent topical that really works. You can find out more about Excelsior on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts. That's E-X-C-E-L-S-I-O-R-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S. DM them there to learn more about their amazing pain rub. And don't forget to tell them that Grow Bud Yourself sent you. All right, welcome back. And... As always, thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong. Love the tune. Stuck in my head. That's the song of the summer right there. Grow bud yourself. Grow bud yourself. <laughs> Love it. Uh-huh. Thank you, guys. And uh, yeah, man, I'm psyched. Summertime is in full effect. Now, you were literally at the beach today, right? <laughs> Indeed. I was at the beach and uh, yeah, Rockaway Beach, enjoying uh, some, some fun in the sun, some surf in the waves and uh yeah yeah it's a nice nice time of year you know it's the time uh of of hope for the fall and the plants are all still healthy and doing well and you know a lot can happen between now and the end of september but fingers crossed yeah so uh mike uh how are things going very good yes we are here for episode 64 and uh you know there's a couple things that we could go a couple different directions here uh yes of course, California, they got Proposition 64, which legalized uh, adult-use cannabis there. Right, right, definitely. Not to everybody's uh, delight, but it, it did do that. True, mm-hmm. true. Now, it's somewhat controversial, but, you know, uh, a lot of expunged criminal records and a lot less people going to jail for cannabis. And uh, at the end of the day, I think, you know, that's not bad. So Prop 64, mm-hmm. uh, even with all of its uh, issues, obviously, OMA and all that, but... Uh, yeah. Also, what about the Beatles? You know, Paul, when I'm 64. Great song. And now he's, what, 75? <laughs> he's over 64. Yeah, I never yeah. thought it would happen. Great show, actually, with him and uh, Rick Rubin on HBO, I think, uh, 321 lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, nice uh, deep dive into some, some Beatles songs, some of the solo uh, Paul and Wings tunes as well. And really uh, uh, puts a little... Uh, emphasis on paul as a songwriter and as a bassist i mean he really he really uh 
bent those uh, strings and, and laid down the thunder. <laughs> you know? Indeed, the fuzz bass. Yeah, I got to check that documentary out. It's worth it's worth a, it's worth a watch for sure. Every summer we could rent a cottage in the Isle of Wight if it's not too dear. So, yes, episode uh, 64 is uh, when I'm 64 on Prop 64. And we, we thank you guys for joining us here. We have a great show. Indeed. And, uh, you know, we want to get right to the cultivation and make sure that you guys are getting all that uh, great grow info. But we also want to make sure that everyone's up to date on their cannabis news or as much as we could uh, help you get there. And uh, this one story I really wanted to cover on the show, it happened a couple weeks ago at this point, but I still think it's worth us uh, mentioning just because it's so interesting to me. Yes, and indeed, what, what, what happened? So I'm talking about, um, maybe you guys have heard by now, and if not, uh, the gentleman who played Borat, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, he's done a lot more than that, of course, but he, he's probably best known, I guess, uh, for playing Borat. Anyway, he is suing a Massachusetts cannabis company called Solar Therapeutics because they used his likeness without his permission on a billboard promoting their brand. And I guess the fact that he's suing them for a minimum of $9 million in damages is interesting enough. But what I really found interesting about this story is what was revealed in the complaint because his lawyers had to file a complaint with the uh, with the court there in Massachusetts. And that's where this really wild stuff came out, wild to me anyway. But the complaint says that Mr. Baron Cohen never has used cannabis in his life. It goes on to say he doesn't view marijuana as a, quote, healthy choice. And it also states that his beloved Ali G character that he created, um, you know, with the Ali G show, uh, that was intended as a, quote, mockery of stoner culture. And uh, the the complaint claims, quote, that he never would participate in an advertising campaign for cannabis for any amount of money. So what do you think, man? You know, it's interesting. I'm a fan of his. I think, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, he's he's hilarious and very talented, you know, a very talented person. He appeared on the cover of High Times as Ali G. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe was he mocking us? Maybe so. I don't know. You know, that's an interesting question. It was kind of before he broke super big. I mean, it was he was still kind of on a come up at that time, uh, and you know that character was hilarious. Borat hilarious, uh, and you know it is his likeness. That's his intellectual mm-hmm. property, and I can understand how he could be. Uh, you know, perturbed about that. And oh, I think, for sure. you know, I think sending a cease and desist letter is what you do. You know, I don't think you, you initiate a $9 million lawsuit. I think well, that, s- that is interesting that you mentioned that because they did send a cease and desist letter, right? And that mm-hmm. was in April. Two days later, Solar Therapeutics pulled the billboard. They took it down. They complied what? with the cease and desist. And then in July, uh, representatives for the actor filed the suit in court. Yeah, well, I mean, then I think they they probably have a case to say, hey, look, we didn't know. We we consider this a fictional character, uh, and you know, it, the, it's basically just Borat on the thing, and he says it's nice, you know, in you know, and that's what you know. So obviously, someone in the marketing department, you know, at Solar Thera messed up. I mean, you can't just massive use someone, screw yes, up. I have that's a happen. That's a huge screw up, and you know, but. 
you get the cease and desist, you take the billboards down, and you're done. And and the damage is minimal. And if you have maybe you pay a fine for the days that that thing was up, but certainly not worth nine million dollars. And you know, in Sasha's defense. Uh, you know, lawyers sometimes take things to a, to the extreme, and you know, I'm assuming he has to sign off on all of that, and and must have known that they were going to use some of that, and you know, maybe he just felt so bummed or pissed by the fact that this happened that he just you know allowed them to 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 do that. But I do think, it, I don't think it's wise of him to you know go off on stoner culture and and you know emphasize the fact that you know smoking cannabis isn't a good choice and things i mean i think they used your likeness you know you're unhappy about it and that's that you don't really have to get into the politics of it and i think that's crazy and you know i i think solar therapeutics is a great place i've actually been there uh written about their strains in um in northeast leaf magazine uh they are dedicated to uh growing you know with, they use a lot of solar panels, like uh, the dispensary and the grow are connected, and there's uh, it's a massive building uh, covered in solar panels. And I think they have a, 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 you know, their niche is that they're you know trying to be carbon neutral and lower their carbon footprint. And I think it's it's great. And I think a lot of bigger dispensaries need to to take that route. So I applaud them for that. And they also have an event. Uh, coming up basically in the beginning of September, September 3rd and 4th, called the Cultivator's Cup in Massachusetts uh, with our old uh, our old pal, the pharmacist. And I'm going to be there. And I, like I said, Solar Therapeutics is a great place. And I think, um, you know, obviously they had a misstep in their promotions and marketing. And I don't think they need to use Borat's face to promote themselves. I think what they should do is promote the fact that they're growing... Uh, sustainable cannabis and you know using solar panels and and really trying hard to reduce their carbon footprint because this industry particularly you know the industry industry uses a lot of electricity a lot of uh air conditioning and a ton of power and i think anything we we can do to reduce that is great and they put their money where their mouth is because they've actually done you know taken those steps and continue to do so so i applaud them for that and I think it's just a, a, a misstep in promotions. And uh, I think hopefully they'll survive it. I doubt they're going to end up paying $9 million. They'll probably settle out of court. Hopefully, you know, complying with the cease and desist is enough. But yeah, it's a crazy story. And, and it does kind of hurt hurt my soul a little bit just to think that, like, you know, I, I think this guy's great and talented and funny and, and hilarious. And I think, you know, going so far as to say you know that you're mocking stoner culture and and all that i think i think it's a little extra i don't think he had to flex it so hard and i i think you know and i'd be pissed if somebody used my face in an ad and Mm -hmm. didn't pay me for it myself too so he's got a right uh to be upset about that but i think uh he didn't have to go so hard at them you know they it's hard to imagine that somebody who you know is this sort of part of the creative community who comes up in, in acting and theater and that kind of thing never even tried cannabis that blows my mind 
Yeah, that's a weird one too. But you know, there's people out there who haven't, and it isn't Certainly, for yeah. everyone. But he's got to understand that a, a major, major part of his fans' right. fandom, is, uh, <laughs> you know, loves cannabis. And I thought the Ali G character was hilarious. And I think you know, pretty much everything he's done has been has been great. And uh, you know, I think he's got a long career ahead of him. But I I don't think you want to alienate your audience like that I, you know and to me that it kind of alienates me a little bit like i think a little less of him even though right i think of him as talented i i think wow it shouldn't dude, matter but yeah on some level it's interesting to, I, he didn't have to go that far you know i mean i get it i'd be pissed but like like i said you know cease and desist take it down you know maybe there's a fine for the amount of time that that thing was up or something like that but nine million dollars and, and then going off on on people who use cannabis is it's, it's too much too much it reminds me many many years ago i i had the opportunity to interview ben kingsley sir ben kingsley and uh, oh, it was yeah. a great the wackness. You know, yeah that the wackness he was in which is a <laughs> we pop movie that. so yeah we yeah. went to the premiere I that's right but yeah i got to interview him and um you know, he told me that he never had smoked cannabis in his entire life and almost seemed a little offended by the question. And, you know, again, that's that's every person's individual choice. And I don't you know, I'm not upset by it. It's just it's just always surprising to me, that especially somebody who is involved in the theater. And he also grew up, you know, I would imagine in the, the 60s and 70s was, you know, coming in at that point in <laughs> London. Yeah, exactly. So how do you get through that whole scene without ever even taking a puff i you know it's mind-blowing but again um you know that's up to the person the individual so sure uh just to uh wrap up on this story uh maybe this will make you feel a little better um uh, baron cohen is so protective of his image and so opposed to using it for advertising that the complaint uh, states that he once turned down millions of dollars for a car commercial so it's not just cannabis he doesn't like uh, appearing in ads for, for anything, apparently. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, that's his right. That's mm -hmm. his right. I mean, I know there's other artists that feel the same way. Uh, Neil Young, he won't sell his music for any advertising. Beastie Boys, never. You know, won't do it. And uh, and I respect that. You know, that's... that's sure. You know, and, and I also respect people who, who do sell the music because they need the money or they want to buy another house or car or whatever it might be, put their kids through college. But... Uh, like I said, he has a right to be pissed about it, but I think, you know, there's a certain limit to how pissed you can be. And also, like, do you really want <laughs> to go there and just, you know, bum out, like, all these people that love you and think you're hilarious <laughs> and smoke a lot of weed and watch your stuff over and over? <laughs> I tell you what, um, open invitation. Come on, grow bud yourself and, and explain the whole situation. We'd love to have indeed. you on. So anytime yes, you want. Indeed. In character, out of character, however. <laughs> Mocking, as, serious. As Ali G, as Bora. Uh, yeah, mock away. <laughs> so that was a, a cannabis story that caught our eye and we wanted to share with you. But uh, we, we have a ton of great content coming up in this episode, including a really exciting interview. Yes, indeed. Lee Spivey, uh, Good Earth Organics, uh, talking about soil science, which is something I love to geek out on. So, uh, yeah, why don't we take a break, come back with our interview with Lee. If you're ready to start your own home grow, you're going to need some seeds. Fortunately, our sponsor, Rocket Seeds, has you covered. 
You can find seeds for hundreds of high-quality cannabis varieties at rocketseeds.com, including many of our strains of the Fortnite. Rocket Seeds boasts an incredible inventory of quality-tested cannabis seeds. Whether you're looking for feminized, autoflowering, regular, CBD, or fast version seeds, Rocket Seeds has it all. Plus, Rocket Seeds ships internationally and discreetly and provides excellent customer service. And as a special promotion just for our listeners, you can use the code GBY10 to get 10% off your order at Rocket Seeds. So follow at Rocket Seeds on Instagram. Remember to tell them Danny sent you. And check out rocketseeds.com today and get growing. All right, welcome back, and this is episode 64. We are excited. We have a special guest for you guys today. Lise Bivey is an experienced cannabis cultivator, uh, a stage performer, head of the marketing department at the Good Earth Organics uh, Soil Company. She's been working in the organic potting soil industry for over 10 years, so uh, welcome to the show, Lee. All right, Danny. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about how you got involved in cannabis to begin with, and then uh, in soil in particular. Well, uh, my cannabis journey began in about 2006 when I first started cultivating. Um, That was my first year uh, practicing under um, a grower who had been doing it for a long, long time. She was my mother-in-law and um, has since passed away, but she taught me pretty much everything she knew um, from 2006 on. And we um, started working for the Good Earth Organics in about 2013. So about uh, six years cultivation experience before I began with this company. And um, yeah, so my uh, experience with cannabis began in about 1998. Um, first experiencing it uh, over in uh, New Orleans. We were there on a, a journey of, of musical escapades, so to speak. We were, I was in a traveling show choir back then. And uh, so we were there doing some, some cool stuff over there in the quarter and uh, just having a good time. Awesome. Awesome. Now... Um, what about soil in particular, and why is the grow medium such an important uh, decision that the cultivator makes? Well, I mean, that's where all the life begins, right? So it's, it's, it's important to know what you're putting your plants in, um, where those ingredients came from, uh, the quality practices that went into making those. And it's, it's important to know what kind of life is going to be fed into the plant that you're putting in that media, right? And so that's, that's really why the soil is important. Right. And, and, and even more so organic soil, uh, because you're talking about living soil and uh, all the beneficial uh, microbes and bacteria that come with that. Uh, and I, I guess you live in Southern Oregon, is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Uh, specifically, I live in Selma, Oregon, which is a few miles from our home base in Cave Junction. Yeah. So and I know that a lot of the growers in that area are very particular about their growing medium and about basically having a certain amount of sustainability uh, in their grow site in particular. So tell me a little bit about how uh, you know so- growers in Southern Oregon uh, maintain a healthy living soil. Well, that's a good question, Danny. So here in Southern Oregon, a lot of the growers, especially our customers, um, they don't necessarily purchase their soil every year, right? We have soil that lasts for uh, uh, quite a few years. Um, the media itself, will it hold the roots? Yes, absolutely. Um, but sustainability-wise, they just re-amend their soil with um, our product called Boost, which allows it to be refreshed into a manner that brings that NPK back up to its original um, 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 level. And then people can just uh, use the same media year after year and continue growing uh, happily. 
Yeah, tell me a little bit about these um, different blends of soil that you guys have at Good Earth Organics and and what the different blends are, are good for. All right. Well, our flagship would be Gaia's Gift. It's um, our, our number one seller, the living soil. Uh, it's got an NPK of 0 0.50, 0 0.33, 0 0.52. Um, it's ideal for heavy feeding plants. Um, it's got uh, super rich fertility, medium drainage. Um, people use it in their green houses and outdoor. Um, some people do find it holds a bit much water for their greenhouse preference. Um, and in that case, I would recommend our, our Zen blend, um, which is um, pretty much just balanced soil, right? It's got great drainage. You can use it indoor, outdoor, greenhouse. It's got less NPK, so the nitrogen isn't going all the way through to the finish. Um, it's 2, 0.20, 0.12, it's uh, highly adaptable and fast draining. Uh, we do offer an um, indoor hydroponic mix called Cloud9, um, cocoa, peat, perlite, um, some aged fur bark, and that's it. Just uh, something simple for people to bottle feed with. And that's sort of the loosest, uh, airiest of the three. Yeah, you're going to feed multiple times a day with that one. Right. And, and these are organic soils that, uh, that also have uh, any added amendments or any kind of uh, natural or organic uh, nutrients. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the guy's gift, of course, and the Zen blend are definitely chock full of, of the good organic inputs. You know, bacuanos, crustaceans, feathers, humics, fish bones, shrimp meals, soybean, kelp meal, um, to name a few. <laughs> there's, there's more in there, of course, but yeah, it's a, and it's, then it's all blended in, in certain ratios to make it, you know, as bioavailable as we can, as well as being um, slow feeding so that you have food over a period of time as well. Yeah, that's great because a lot of times people uh, at first want to add nutrients, uh, you know, to their soil or to their uh, nutrient solution. And I advise them, you know, at first to just use plain water because uh, typically there is nutrient in these soil blends. And so it's good to know that you guys have a balance there. Um, now, once people have sort of uh, watered a bunch of times and maybe used up some of the newts that are already available uh, what what are some suggestions you guys have as far as um, replenishing that soil? You mentioned that Boost product. Yeah, well, Boost is great for, you know, once the vegetation is out of the soil itself and you want to re-amend with that product, it's a 663. So it's got good amount of nitrogen, good amount of uh, phosphorus and potassium as well. And it's very slow release. So you're going to re-amend the soil, put the plant back in it and water again. You know what I mean? Um, but we are actually introducing a new um, line of organic uh, veg bloom and bricks, which are going to be scratching and or tea blend products. And they're, um, complete certified organic products like everything else. Um, our veg is a nine, six, three. So that's great for going straight into a feeding regiment. Um, right after, let's say your leaves start to yellow a little bit out of the Zen blend, right? Um, the bloom is a three, 12.5, nine. And it, all of these have, you know, the microbiology to support the living soil and things like that already included in them. And so making teas with these products are going to be something that people are really into, especially here in Southern Oregon. And I imagine as this legalization factor goes throughout the nation, people will get more into that organic growing methods and things like that in their outdoor recreational farms and stuff. Now, uh, are you guys uh, OMRI certified and um, are there any other certifications that uh, sort of ensure that these products are uh, organic and don't contain heavy metals or any of that sort of stuff? We are OMRI certified. Um, CDFA certified and Clean Green certified, um, soon to be WSDA certified as well. 
Um, so all of those certifications, you know, definitely mean that you can trust the product and feel confident that it is what we say it is and the input ingredients are exactly what we say because we in fact have to prove that to california washington omri and clean green so right and now um it seems like you guys are in the process of expanding the company as well um are people able to order uh, good earth organics pretty much anywhere in the u.s or, or where, where are you located and and how can people get that product that's a great question, Danny. So we are available in all domestic states through Amazon, Shopify, and Walmart Marketplace. Um, GoodEarthOrganics.com is the direct link right to all of our products. Um, education, learning labs, all of that stuff is right there available for our customers. Um, Amazon is a great um, beast for us. It's doing wonderful. Uh, Walmart Marketplace is yet to really take up off the ground. Um, some of our feedback on Walmart is, you know, what are you guys doing there? <laughs> and uh, it's, it's, that's a good question. You know, we don't, it just uh, the avenue opened and who were we to not walk through the door, right? Well, I mean, there's a lot of people who do all their shopping at Walmart and, uh, you know, certainly want to reach those people with a high quality uh, product like this because ultimately they don't have a lot of choices. I mean, I guess there's miracle Grow and things like that, but... Uh, a lot of times those will have uh, time release stuff or, or heavy metals or, you know, uh, just to name something that's out there. And, you know, I don't think people take into account how important the medium that they choose is and, and that it be, uh, you know, light and airy enough to allow oxygen to reach your roots in those times when they're not saturated with nutrient solution or water. And I think that, you know, that wet and dry cycle is so important. But when you get a medium that holds too much moisture, uh, as you mentioned, sometimes the greenhouse people, uh, because they're not having as much uh, evaporation in their greenhouse and that moisture stays there, uh, they don't probably get as, as great growth. And I think that, you know, people just buy a bag of soil thinking, oh, you know, my plants need soil. Uh, but what they really need, what the roots need is a combination of, you know, the food, the air, or the water, all in a perfect combination. And I think uh, it's very important for people to know uh, that, you know, a balanced uh, soil mix or even a soilless mix, because ultimately, you know, a lot of these blends are made with peat or, you know, different kinds of products to lighten them up and uh, perlite and things. So, uh, yeah, I mean, another problem that arises sometimes for people is they get kind of a crust on top of their, you know, their soil. They just water from the top and eventually uh, the soil kind of stops absorbing their nutrient solution or their water. Right. And yeah. It, so yeah. it becomes hydrophobic. Right. What, what, are, what are some solutions for hydrophobic soil? Well, we definitely recommend a yucca solution, right? Um, so uh, just a little, um, and yucca is obviously derived from the yucca plant itself. Um, we get ours straight out of uh, Mexico, I believe, and it's 99.9% .9 pure yucca. And it's definitely what I recommend spraying on top of your soil, uh, letting that soak in, and then watering very lightly, allowing that to soak in. And then, you know, your soil should be non-hydrophobic at that point. That's great. And uh, now you also, uh, you have the bags uh, that people can buy uh, and then you also do larger amounts for people that need larger amounts of soil? Yeah, absolutely. Um, right now, we unfortunately are only servicing our Southern Oregon area with the large bulk amounts of soil. Um, it is in our hopes in the near future to be in Oklahoma doing the same thing. We have since moved into Oklahoma with pallets 
and totes and um, they're selling like hotcakes. We can't seem to keep enough there. We just secured another warehouse to be able to store more. So as we continue to grow, Oklahoma is the target for being able to supply more bulk soil. Um, our owners actually are in New York City, so our CEO and our chair people and stuff like that um, are in New York, and so eventually we'll be out towards the East Coast more. Um, we were going to be at NECAN here in New Jersey coming up, but once they announced Brooklyn, uh, we decided to switch over and, and just do the Brooklyn show in 2022. But So we'll come out there in New York uh, not too long. Nice. Tell me a little bit about your uh, your activism and your music, since we're just talking soil right now. Uh, tell me a little bit about you and 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 uh, how uh, how your activism came about, and also what what you do musically. So um, when I first moved to Southern Oregon and started growing, um, I've always been into music. You know, obviously as a performer in, in high school and beyond, um, and I've always been into you know hip hop and rock and reggae. Um, and then moving out here, it's like this weird culture of just like everybody's in a band and everybody's a musician and so it was just like walking into like three different bands at the same time and so i was in the herbal crew from like 2011 to 2017 and then uh, we finally changed our name and uh got away from the herbal crew stuff and started doing more like pop rock and things like that and, and hip-hop's been in all of it so i'm never getting away from that but um yeah man it's been a lot of fun um we've done multiple state tours things like that now we performed at hemp fests i think the most people we ever performed for was like twenty-seven thousand at the 2017 las vegas hemp fest and um yeah it's it's great you know it's music has always been a huge part of my life um my i go by the name lee lav spivey um you could my i guess my music links are ffm.to slash lee lav spivey and uh that's that's where you can find me just google me at 541 thc on my instagram that's awesome. Um, now, uh, where do you see the future uh, for Good Earth Organics? I mean, I know, you, like, you, like I said, uh, you guys are expanding uh, and just did a, uh, a big, I guess, uh, a fundraising? No. Yeah, we just did a, um, a crowd fundraiser. Uh, crowdfunding, mm -hmm. I guess is what it's called. There's the technical name for it, crowdfunding. Right. And uh, so... What are your goals um, as marketing manager to basically, you know, where, where you want to take this company in uh, the next few years? Because I think growing, you know, home grow and, you know, the, cult, you know, larger cultivations are going to be expanding greatly in the next few years. So what, uh, how, what are your plans for uh, GEO? So the expansion plans um, realistically include, you know, um, we're starting with the, with the South. Um, it's, it's starting to open up and do its thing. You know, Oklahoma is going to be first. Texas probably going to follow closely after that. Everybody's watching Texas with a, with a fine, <laughs> fine magnifying glass waiting for that legislation to start popping off. You know what I mean? When we were in Oklahoma at Canacon, we actually got to talk with the, the Texas representatives who were about to initiate the legislation and get things off the ground over there. And so that was really cool. Um, so as soon as we um, have boots on the ground over there, aside from just the one salesperson who has moved to Oklahoma so far, <laughs> we will uh, start our, our ramping up our expansion efforts in, in that area. You know, and then uh, we're looking at you know Florida, Alabama, um, New York, Michigan, Chicago, things like that, um, getting all of our products up into those areas as well. I'm originally from Detroit, so um, I've got a, a and everybody I went to high school with is obviously in the same demographic right and so they've all opened pot shops and farms <laughs> we're all in the same industry you know what i mean we, we used to smoke weed outside the high school and now we're all in the same industry so yeah michigan yeah. is going off for sure 
uh, in Oklahoma, as you mentioned. Now, as uh, you know, these grows expand and more and more people get involved, what are some ways uh, that you're educating these consumers on ethical and sustainable growing practices so we're not using up too much of a carbon footprint? That's a great question. We do have some learning labs on the website um, that go through sustainability, how to be a better steward for the land and water, stuff like that. Um, essentially boils down to love thy neighbor, right? I mean, you don't want to use something that's going to poison your neighbor's garden. You don't want to spray something that's going to kill the bees or kill the birds. You, you just want to be a good neighbor to everyone and uh, all the living things around you. Absolutely. And, you know, I think for outdoor growers, uh, it's important to know that you can you can just keep adding organic material on top of your soil uh, and improving upon it. Uh, I think that's one of the things that biochar uh, really helps with as well. And mulch. I mean, mulch, any kind of mulch that you use, you know, whether it be hay or straw or even wood chips are very popular. But uh, as that breaks down, you know, that also helps to loosen up your 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 soil and give it biodiversity. So, um, you know, I think that's important for people uh, that are looking for ways to use less inputs, let's say, like as far as um, fertilizers that you're adding to the soil. It's added costs and it's not necessary when you have that, um, you know, biological activity going on. Um, Can you talk a little bit about uh, you know, beneficial microbes and bacteria and, and how that uh, helps in, uh, re- you know, the way that, that, that plants are able to retain nutrients and, and break down the nutrients to, to a size that they can uptake? I can. That's one of the things I like to talk about most, actually. Perfect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> soil microbes and me, we get along real good. I'm always feeding the, the soil microbes so that we can uh, have a better life in our rhizosphere. So that's the, uh, the key there. Um, so increased yields, uh, number one reason why uh, you should feed your microbes in the soil. You're going to have bigger, better, bulkier fruits, vegetables, cannabis, everything. You're going to have a better growing root system, which is going to equal a bigger footprint above the soil. Um, you're going to have a better protected plant. It's going to be more disease resistant, more pest resistant. Um, it, it's, you're going to have better terpene profile above all. You know, you, you feed those sweeteners, those, those carbs, get that stuff going in there and get those microbes working together to, to give you the best output and purity for your plant. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's really for the future, one of the most important things for us to be able to research and find out is, how, you know, how, how to add to that terpene profile, how to get the most out of the genetics that you've already got. And I think a lot of people think, you know, giving the plant more food will will result in better flowers but the truth is it's about the right food in the right quantities and balance and and in a way that you know they can be able to break that down into and and take in that because i think a lot of times uh you know some of these uh organic nutrients that people add uh you know don't actually break down in in the 60 days or so that they're doing their flowering regimens and a lot of education that comes along with using organic scratch in and teas right like a lot of people would as especially as growers who are new to the, the growing scene they're going to expect these products to be bioavailable um and that's just not a reality right like you're going to want to make your tea you're going to want to feed that tea you're going to want to scratch in two weeks prior to seeing results right like there's an education that comes along with um, switching from like a, a bottle-based feeding nutrient to an organic-based scratch-in nutrient that's going to do a similar job. It's just going to do it in a different time frame in a different fashion. Right. Indeed. 
Well, you guys have a ton of information available online here. I'm just looking at the goodearthorganics.com site, uh, and there's tons of there's a whole learning lab where people can go in and and uh, watch videos and really learn about uh, soil science, which is so important. Uh, so I just want to say thank you and uh, let people know how they can find out more about Good Earth Organics uh, soil and where they can order it and uh, you know social media stuff and 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 websites and all that. Great. Yeah. Um, our website is goodearthorganics.com. Um, we are at Good Earth Organic Soils on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Good Earth Organic Soils on Facebook. Um, you can link our YouTube right off of our website. Please subscribe there as well. And yeah, watch a learning lab or two. Um, drop some topics. Let me know what else to make. Awesome. Well, Lee Spivey, really appreciate having you on the show uh, to talk soil science. Uh, it's something our listeners really appreciate because they think a lot of them are very interested in organic growing and also in uh, a medium that helps them feed the plant and really ultimately feed the roots which feed the plant you know i mean uh the root system is is so important and i think a lot of people neglect the root system because they're so concentrated on the actual plant itself but really what we're growing is roots uh because that's what's going to result in the uh, quality of flowers that we're looking for so uh, thanks for coming on the show and thanks for teaching people all about soil science and uh, selling a good organic soil. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Danny. Super appreciate it. We will be back after these messages with more of Grow Bud Yourself. If you're a grower or you're thinking about starting your first crop, then you need to know about Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients. Sweet Leaf has an incredible line of organic fertilizers and, of course, their legacy line that includes organic and some synthetic fertilizers. So check them out at sweetleaf.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F.com. The code DANKO15 gets you 15% off everything at Sweet Leaf. That's 15% off their signature line of nutrients as well as essentials like complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits and grow lights, plus awesome apparel, backpacks, and much more. If you join our Patreon, you'll get access to additional codes worth 20 and even 25% off. All Patreon supporters also receive free Sweet Leaf nutrients just for signing up. Sweet Leaf provides all the tools necessary for the modern gardener. Check them out at sweetleaf.com and remember the code DANKO15. All right, welcome back. And we are now in the cultivation segment of the show, I believe, right, Mike? We are, yes. And thank you to uh, Lee Spivey for joining us. That was a very informative interview. Yes, I always like to learn about uh, soil science. It's something I kind of geek out on a lot. And uh, I do think that. Uh, the soil holds the key, you know, the soil and, and, and the, you know, mycelium, the fungal strands and all of that. That's really, you know, if we're going to even save the planet, you know, let's, I mean, I'm all for growing great, great ganja, but this is a bigger than just about ganja. You know what I mean? Like you, you can sequester carbon in the earth, pull it from the air. And, and I think that, you know, that's a very important that living soil can actually reverse uh, the harms that we've done to the planet. And, uh, and we can have better produce and, and, and food and products. And, I, you know, I, it's something I'm going to definitely talk about more on the show in the future. Uh, I'd love to have uh, Elaine Ingram on the show and, and some real uh, doctors of 
plant science and, and soil science to really get to the nitty gritty of, of not just how to grow great, great cannabis, but also just what we can do to, to have a lighter footprint on the planet. Indeed. Yes, we appreciate Lee coming on, but uh, we are now in the cultivation segment of the show, and uh, our listeners know that each week Dan likes to provide a growing tip that's going to help you become a better cultivator. So uh, what are we discussing this week? Yes, so I'd like to talk about uh, a, the fungi and the mold that we certainly do not like, uh, and this is powdery mildew. This is a, a total nightmare uh, for farmers, not just canvas farmers, but all farmers. Uh, it originates from the air uh, and thrives in humid environments. But uh, the telltale sign of powdery mildew, uh, it's pretty easy to spot because uh, it appears on your leaf uh, and it looks like a white frost, but not at all like like trichomes, you know, like glandular trichomes look, but like the fake snow spray that you see around Christmas time, the stuff that people spray onto onto the trees to make them look like they have a little snow on them. Uh, it's like a fine white dust, uh, and it's most likely to appear first on younger vegetation. Uh, and the thing about it is it's, you know, the reason I call it a plague is because if it's left untreated, it will consume the plant, uh, buds and all. It can really uh, spread very quickly, uh, especially, you know, once it's in your, your space and then your fans are blowing it all around. Uh, so once you diagnose it, you have to tackle it swiftly and aggressively, um, before it ruins your harvest. But, um, the, the key is catch it quickly. If you have it, you know, the, 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 the best thing is to avoid it altogether. And that by doing that, you need to understand that, uh, they need plant tissue to survive and, uh, the spores are in the air. Uh, so if, if, if there's, you know, areas of your, room that are wood the spores can hide in that wooden area um, they can come from other plants uh, they can come in from clones uh, so these spores are pretty much everywhere uh, but they need certain environmental conditions for them to thrive and that means if your temperature is low and your humidity is high uh, that's where powdery mildew will spread rapidly and we call it pm also uh, so i'm going to call it pm for short uh, but uh, it definitely favors rooms where the plants are crowded together uh, and there's lots of uh, vegetation, not a lot of airflow underneath, uh, you know, underneath the canopy. And uh, so it's kind of weird, but, you know, you do need to turn off the fans. If you see uh, if you see powdery mildew, you don't want it spreading around in the air. So turn your fans uh, off for that time period while you're dealing with the PM. Uh, the, the temperatures at which it thrives is really about 50 to 65 degrees Fahrenheit uh, and a relative humidity over 80 percent. So 80 to 90, uh, you know, is really uh, the red zone. You do not want your humidity in that area. Uh, and if your humidity can come down to, you know, 40 or 50 percent, uh, you're fine at 65 degrees. But if, you, if your temperatures are low and your humidity is high, uh, that's where you're going to see uh, powdery mildew really uh, result uh, in aggressive growth. Um, so there's all different kinds of fungal diseases that uh, are included in this sort of, uh, you know, the plant disease uh, realm, Pythium, Fusarium, uh, Botrytis. There's all these different things. Uh, but what they all need is wet conditions. So uh, control the level of moisture in the air 
and in your growing medium because uh, the ambient moisture from your grow medium, if it stays wet all the time, uh, will also have an effect on that. And that, you know, hydroponic growers know that pretty well too because your reservoir uh, can be a fungus uh, accelerator as well. So just reduce your humidity to below 50%. Uh, and then at that point, you can actually uh, ventilate without so, so much circulating, but just pulling air out of the room and hopefully uh, replacing it with uh, less humid air uh, that doesn't have those spores thriving in it. Um, you don't want to reuse growing medium indoors because of this, if you, especially if you have this issue. Uh, and always use uh, very sterile tools when you're cutting live plant material. So when you're taking clones or whatever, just make sure that those razors are sharp and sterile. Um, don't overwater your plants. Don't let them sit in standing water. Um, there are more extreme techniques of spraying with fungicides or employing uh, sulfur burners or CO2 uh, that are sometimes effective. Uh, there are some treatments, uh, including uh, something called odor champ, which basically works uh, using bipolar ionization. Uh, and that can also uh, kill off some of those mold spores and create an environment that won't allow them to reproduce rapidly. Uh, and then there's topical treatments, uh, as I mentioned, uh, some of the ones you've probably heard of are like Serenade or Actinovate, uh, and those uh, can help change the pH of the surface of the leaves and get rid of some of the growths of those molds. Um, so that's interesting. And uh, really the key is that PM is a treatable pro problem, but you need to uh, treat it quickly before it spreads because it really only takes a couple of days for a small outbreak to uh, turn into a really big problem. So that is my take on uh, fungal diseases and in particular powdery mildew. Uh, bring down your ambient uh, or relative humidity and uh, ventilate that air out and uh, definitely do not let that fungus spread. All right. Sounds good. That is our grow tip for episode 64. And now it is time to take some questions. So if you have a question that you would like answered on the show, get in touch with us. You could email us. Uh, that is info at growbudyourself.com. You could also uh, get us on Patreon, on Facebook, on YouTube, etc. So uh, what do you say we jump right in? Sounds good. Great. Let's start it off with uh, Sticky Stevo who writes, uh, Danny D and Mike G, thanks for keeping it real and accompanying me on many a road trip. I'm planning to grow again after a long hiatus. My last grow was while attending law school in the late 80s. Uh, I wanted to find a giggly strain like honey banana, but I cannot find the seeds in stock anywhere. I looked for laughing Buddha, but again to no avail. Can y'all, can y'all recommend something known for giggles? Maybe arousal, but not so much couch lock or super munchies. Also, why does it take so dang long for seeds to come back in stock? So, uh, what would you say there to uh, Sticky Stevo? Yes. So, um, if you want something giggly, I think you want something sativa dominant. And my go-to giggly strain is strawberry cough. Uh, and actually, what's interesting, uh, our sponsor Rocket Seeds actually has a strawberry cough autoflower. I've never tried it. Um, but Sonoma Seeds is, uh, is the brand, and they are available at Rocket Seeds. And Mike, what is our code 
uh, for Rocket Seeds. I think they gave us a new code, right? Yeah, the code is a GBY10, and that's good for 10% off uh, your order for the entire site. Well, there you go. And uh, they have Strawberry Cough, which, like I said, I mean, we talked with Kyle about this. If, if you listen to that episode, it's it's my Desert Island strain. It's giggly. It's creative. It's it's thoughtful. Uh, it's electric. Boogie, woogie, woogie. <laughs> and but they have other uh, other options there as well. They have the the uh, Acapulco Gold. You know, you mentioned uh, that you uh, your last grow was in the late '80s, so you might be familiar with the Acapulco Gold. They have that feminized, uh, and they have Chocolope, which uh, also is a feminized uh, sativa dominant strain. Uh, so it's interesting, you know, you can get uh, some sativa seeds from Sonoma seeds, but no matter who you're buying them from, uh, just make sure you get something sativa dominant and without too long of a flowering time. And I think you'll be able to find uh, the giggly strain that you're looking for. Uh, just keep in mind, sativas are a little tougher to grow than indicas in many cases. They, they stretch more. They are less tolerant to overfeeding and, and environmental conditions and things like that. And, um, sometimes kind of, um, picky feeders as well, uh, finicky plants. So keep that in mind, you know, just try to find a sativa dominant plant. That's not super hard to grow or has a really long flowering time. All right, there you go. Uh, we hope that helps you out there. Steve-O keep us posted. Uh, let's move on to donkey farmer. Uh, who writes, Danny and Mike, uh, I look forward to your podcast every week, so thank you for getting it done on a regular basis. Uh, I've listened to every episode of Grow Bud Yourself, and while your grow advice has seemingly covered every aspect of growing flower, you have not given advice on intentionally growing, harvesting, and storing seed. I hope you'll interview some guests who are experts on this topic and also provide some tips for those of us who are growing outdoors and would like to grow and save some seeds for future crops. Thanks and keep up the great work. So what would you say there to Donkey Farmer? Yeah, absolutely. That's actually a very interesting question. And I don't think we've really gotten into it too much just because uh, it's kind of, it's something more that uh, something that outdoor growers do. Uh, and what they do is they're very selective about, uh, you know, you don't want to seed your entire crop, uh, I would imagine, unless you're really looking for uh, a ton of seeds. But usually what happens is they'll find uh, a really beautiful uh, flower on a, on a plant that they enjoy and love, and they'll basically pollinate that particular flower with male pollen about two to three weeks into the flowering process and then cover it with like a bag, um, you know, or some type of a covering for a couple of weeks just to ensure that the pollen doesn't spread throughout all of their plants. Uh, and in that way, they can basically grow seeds in with among their crop and then, uh, but only have the seeds in that one branch of that one plant. And those are their seeds for the next year. That's something that people up in uh, NorCal and, and Southern Oregon and, and, you know, pretty much everywhere where people grow have been doing for years and years. And, you know, even hash farmers uh, for generations have been practicing that kind of thing. And as far as, you know, harvesting, um, you know, you harvest like you normally would harvest, but basically I would separate that seeded branch uh, and dry that separately and basically keep uh, a tray underneath it in case you have seeds falling out because typically um, they're ready to p 
pop right out of the bud when they're uh, fully ripe. And that way you, you know, you'll catch all those seeds. And then as far as storing them, I would say put them in a, a tightly sealed container uh, that doesn't ha allow any light to reach them. Uh, store them in a cool, dark place. Uh, wouldn't hurt to use a desiccant uh, in there of some kind, even just some grains of rice or whatever to keep them uh, from getting moist. And in that way, you'll be able to store them at, for, at, at a bare minimum for the next year's crop. But uh, those seeds should be able to last for several years down the road uh, in case you want to put them away and, and you know, grow them out a couple of years from now. So um, that's the short end of it and, uh, you know, the quick little grow Q&A version. But I like your idea of having uh, people who are experts on the topic uh, provide some, even more tips of this. And you, and you mentioned growing outdoors. Um, and saving seed for future crops. So that's what I'm focusing on. Uh, but you can do this sort of thing indoors as well. Um, the key is just, you know, being able to have the male pollen that you want and, and, and that you know is viable and uh, putting it on the female plant at the right time. Some people use paintbrushes and things just to avoid having that pollen, like I said, spread through the whole uh, grow and seed your entire crops because that's what you're trying to avoid. But in this way, um, you pick a nice, beautiful branch, uh, infest that branch with seeds, and then use those seeds uh, for the future. And in that way, people have been doing for thousands of years and improving the quality of their crops. And I think, uh, yeah, that's awesome. And I like your idea. So we'll, we'll definitely look into having someone on to talk about growing, harvesting, and storing seeds. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you, Donkey Farmer, for the advice, and we hope that uh, gives you a little bit of info on the subject. We'll get more into it as we go on. Let's move on to 420 Animal, who writes, uh, Hey Dan, I just harvested a week ago, and my buds are ready for the curing process. My question is, how much is too much when loading jars for curing? All right, another good question that I don't think we've answered. Um, so, wow, so... Your jars should be full, but not overfilled. Uh, I don't like, uh, you know, if they're like half filled because it's just a lot of air and I feel like they're going to cure faster, which is what you're trying to avoid uh, because they won't cure properly in that way. Um, but there should be some air in the jar. So you don't want to stuff the buds down into the jar. You don't want it to, uh, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to jam them in there. You don't want to crush the buds at all or damage the trichomes at all. So I'd say just gently fill the jars, uh, but don't press or force any more in than comfortably fits. Um, and, you know, you don't want them basically right up against the, the top of the jar anyway, because that, that part is going to flatten out and, and not, be, uh, not be as great. You know, that's why I don't lay buds down to, to dry. I dry them in the air rather than on trays and things, because I don't like when they're wet and then they and then they get that flat edge, uh, it really kind of seals that moisture in there. And, and I think that's, uh, that's a way that a lot of people end up with stuff that, you know, just doesn't burn right or tastes like hay. Um, the other thing is you got to remember to burp those jars on almost a daily basis um, to let out the accumulated moisture because the slow release of liquid into the air uh, and the replacement of that moist air with less moist air uh, is basically the curing process in a nutshell. That's uh, you're just slowing that down, um, slowing the drying down, and and, and drawing the moisture out. Uh, but if you smell anything that resembles ammonia or anything like that coming out of those jars, um, anything that smells off, uh, like they're like the buds are composting, that means you put them in too wet, 
Um, and you need to leave those jars open until that odor goes away and the buds don't feel damp at all. And, uh, it just means you put them in when they were still a little too wet and, uh, um, you want to get that wetness out. So that's, uh, that's what I would say as far as, uh, uh, loading jars for curing. All right. Excellent. Uh, thank you for 20 animal, a little info for curing. Um, Thank you to everybody who wrote in this week. If you have a question that you would like answered on the show, get in touch with us. Our email, once again, is info at growbudyourself.com. We are going to be taking a bonus question over on Patreon, and it's going to be about stressing cannabis plants and getting those branches uh, stronger. So if you have any interest in that, uh, join us on Patreon for our bonus uh, Q&A for episode 64. Um, What do you say we take a little break, then come back and wrap this one up? Let's do it. All right, here we have it. It's the wrap. And uh, I'm not going to wrap the wrap, but I am going to tell you guys, thank you for listening. I want to say thank you to the Patreon supporters, the YouTube subscribers, everyone uh, affiliated. Thanks to the sponsors. Uh, Rocket Seeds, the code is GBY10 for 10% off when you check out on rocketseeds.com. Uh, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, the code is Danko15 for 15% off. And uh, Patreon supporters get even more percentages off at different levels there. And check out Excelsior Extracts on Instagram. Ask about their THC infused pain relief rub, it's incredible. And of course, vapor.com is an affiliate now. Uh, the code GROWBUDYOURSELF20 gets you 20% off everything site-wide. If you've been thinking about the PAX or the Puffco or the Volcano or the Raw Papers or the you know, anything that they sell, uh, site-wide, 20% off with that code GROWBUDYOURSELF20. So uh, please, you know, if you're going to buy something, use our code. It helps them. It helps us. And uh, we love you guys for it. So thank you to Lee Spivey and Good Earth Organics. Uh, check out their soil. It's available on Amazon uh, and I guess Walmart and a few other places as well. But uh, it's a great alternative to some of the other soils that are out there uh, claiming all kinds of benefits and not really delivering. So uh, thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong. Thank you to my co-host and producer, Mike G. Uh, we'll be back next week with episode number 65. We'll have to think about what that number means to us. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I think that's a wrap. Let's, uh, let's put this one in the books. I don't like. I don't like. <laughs>